Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. I'm going to make a statement today that's probably going to cause some of you to choke. It's okay. Give me an opportunity to explain myself before you do. But I just want to tell you this morning that I'm pro-choice. And some of you are like, oh my God. No, I'm not for abortion. I'm not pro-choice in that frame of mind. But I believe that every one of us have the right and the responsibility to choose. That the choices that we make in our life will determine our destiny. And the Bible is very clear about this in two places in Proverbs 14, 12. And in Proverbs 16, 2, it says exactly the same thing. There is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. There is a way which seems right. Now, how do we differentiate between that which is right and that which is wrong? The world tells us that this is right. This is okay, and so many people buy into it. We just kind of go along with the crowd. Becky and I, when we were on vacation this week, we went out to Fort Macon. I don't know if anybody's ever been out there or not. It's out uh, near Atlantic Beach, near Emerald Island. It's an old, it started out as uh, just, it was built right after the Revolutionary War, and then um, the um, Civil War, it was used as a fort there. It was actually bombarded during the Civil War, and and there were several battles that took place around Fort Macon. And then World War I and, and the Spanish-American War, they had soldiers there all the way up into World War II. And shortly after World War II, it was decommissioned. So now it's just become a historic site. And, and, uh, but it's, it's interesting to go to there and look. But there was a doctor that was there, and he was a naturalist. And, of course, he, he had all of these relics, all of these uh, animal skulls and taxidermied animals and stuff that he had studied while he was there. Of course, he had lots and lots of time to do that kind of thing. There's nothing, not much more to do because they didn't have TV in those days and the kind of thing. So, but he spent a lot of his time journaling and writing and, and studying these things. But one of the things that he studied, and they actually produced a, a little mini film on the life of the butterfly and how that it was, you know, is, is how it's born from the egg and then uh, becomes a caterpillar and, and spins a web, a, conco- a cocoon, and lives in that cocoon for a while. And then the emergence of the butterfly was what was so interesting to me, was the struggle that it had to go through in order to emerge as that butterfly, to be this beautiful creature that God has created. The thing about it is, though, that without the struggle, the butterfly could never be born. If you were to try to take the cocoon off the butterfly to help it escape that, that cocoon, it would never make it. It would, it would die. And the same is true for us in the struggles of life. We have choices to make, and, and we could choose for someone to, to rescue us at times, but God sometimes wants us to endure those struggles 
Because the trying of our faith works patience, we endure those struggles so that we can be transformed in what God wants us to be because the trying of your faith works patience. I, I was really being tried this morning with that because of all the things that are going on. And, and of course, you know, when you, when you have things that are, 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 are not normal, the, the normal things that you do, inevitably, you're going to have things that happen that you weren't expecting. So we walk in this morning, all the doors are locked, we couldn't get in, and then there's something beeping in the hallway, we didn't know what's going on there, and, and so then when, when we got here, I, I discovered that we didn't have enough tables for the luncheon, so we got to go get that, we didn't have coffee cups, and we didn't have this, we didn't have that, and so I'm just running around like a chicken with his head all cut off, and I'm thinking, I could choose to really get upset, and really get anxious, and really get... You know, I mean, when I got done, I was sweating like I'd been playing in a basketball game or something. But I was just thinking the whole time, I can choose how I'm going to react to this and, and just go with the flow, or I can get uptight and get upset about it. So the choice is to just don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. So I just began to pray, and the Lord just quieted my spirit, and just, just be calm, be cool, be collected. It's going to be all right. So we have to make those choices. So if Proverbs 16, 12 and 14, 12 says, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. How can we determine what's the right way? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Psalm 25, verses 12 through 14 says this. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. Did you get that? Who is the man who fears the Lord? Now, what do we know about the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 1, 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And Proverbs 9 and 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we have to have knowledge before we can have wisdom. Because wisdom is the God-given ability to use the knowledge that God gives us. Wow. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? When we put those two together, because without knowledge you can't have wisdom, how do we know God? We know him through the word. Paul says the only way to get to know God is because was through the word in Romans chapter 10. He says, how can they hear unless there's a preacher? And how can they, you know, how, how they, they've got to have someone who, and how can they preach unless they are sent? And, you know, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of, the God, uh, word of God. So we have to hear in order for faith to be conceived in our hearts in order to believe. We have to have a knowledge of God. But once we have the knowledge of God, then we have to choose what we're going to do with that knowledge. Wisdom says, believe. Wisdom says, choose to follow God. Wisdom says, believe everything he says, put your trust, put your hope in him, and embrace it. Embrace that knowledge. So, an example of, of, of this is, is, is when Moses was leading the children of Israel, and he'd gone about as far as he, he could go. 
Because Moses had become impatient along the way. Remember when, when uh, they were at a certain place and, and, and the people were thirsty and there was no water and they were started complaining and moaning and groaning against Moses. And Moses goes to God and he says, the people that you have given to me, so what am I going to do with them? And God says, I'll tell you what. He said, just go out. There's a rock out here. So just go out here and take your, your staff and, and hit the rock. And Moses goes out and he, he gets the people and he, he says, I just want to show you what God can do. And he hits the rock and boom, water gushes out and, and the people start, you know, getting refreshed and everything. And everything's cool for a while and everything. And so then a few days later, or a little while later, they're, they're moving along and the same thing happens again. And so Moses gets really exasperated with the people. This time, you know, they've already seen what God can do. They've seen through the Red Sea. They've seen here. They've seen all the miracles that God has done. And now they start moaning and groaning again like God can't do this. So Moses sees the rock again. And so he goes over and, 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 and God tells him to speak to the rock. And Moses, just, you know what he does, don't you? He strikes the rock. And because of that, he's penalized. He can't go into the promised land. He can only go so far. So when do they get to the edge of where Moses knows that God has said, you can't go any farther. This is as far as you can go. So Moses decides to address the people, and he addresses the people. And after he's addressed the people, then he sets Joshua in place as their new leader. But this is what he said as he was addressing the people. In in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 19, he says, See, I have set before you today, what? Life and prosperity. And I've also set before you death and adversity. And that I command you today to do what? Love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But, everybody say but. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land where you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So then he says what? He said the choice is yours. He said, you choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So God, who is obviously pro-choice, gave the people the right to choose either life and death Life and prosperity, death or adversity, and we have that same right. He set before us the same right. We have the right to choose. So the moment we have the right to choose is before we do something stupid. So we have the choice. You know? We don't we don't want to do the the you know, like it said, the 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 famous last words of the redneck. You know what it is, don't you? Hey y'all, watch this. It's just doing something stupid. You know it's going to hurt, but you do it anyway. And God has set before us his statutes, his commandments. So God has given us the knowledge, everybody say knowledge, of what to do and what not to do. 
So if God has given us the knowledge of what to do and what not to do, so go ahead and do something that we know is going to bring pain and agony and death and adversity to us is what I call stupid. It's not ignorance. Ignorance is when we don't know. Ignorance is when we just don't have any idea. But stupid is when we know and we do it anyway. You know, there's some people in life that are just ignorant. They don't know any better. They can't help themselves because they don't know. But stupid people in the world is full of is people who know better and they do it anyway. I mean, why, why do we want to go mess around outside of marriage? We have no commitment to someone and we, we, we run the risk of, of becoming pregnant and then when we become pregnant, we, we have to decide then what we're going to do with a child that we didn't want to conceive when the choice should have been made on the other side of that, when we could have chosen to stay pure, obey God, not get into sin, and then we wouldn't have to make that choice. And now we've got to make the choice, so we're going to go do something even stupider, well, more stupid, And now we're going to decide that the life of that child isn't important. That our convenience is more important than the life of that child. So we go to a clinic somewhere and we end the life of a child that God has conceived in the womb. And that's even more stupid. Because now we're guilty of murder. Because that life that is conceived inside of us. God formed us. In our mother's womb, the moment we are conceived, we become life. I, I never understood the people who are pro-abortionists who say that, that a child that is inside the womb is nothing more than a fetus, nothing more than a mass of flesh. That is until they want one. And now all of a sudden, that, that mass of flesh is a baby. Oh, I'm pregnant. I've got a baby now. When before it was nothing but an inconvenience. And that is flat out stupid. But the choice is to obey God this side. The choice is to choose purity. And and it, it applies to other areas of our life. You know, when, when should we choose to do something about our drug addiction? Before you get addicted. When should we choose to do something about our habits? Don't establish those habits and you won't have to do nothing about it. And I know we, we, we all make mistakes, but we have a choice to end it somewhere. It's got to stop. Insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, it stands to reason if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you always got. Nothing's going to change. Two and two is four every time. You can't can't make it anything any different. It's just what it is. So if we keep making, doing stupid things, we're going to keep getting bad results. So we have to make a choice. I'm pro-choice in that regard. I believe we make our choices up front. But, you know, if we make mistakes, then we have another choice to make. 
We can either keep making those mistakes over and over again, or we can determine that we're going to change. We're going to stop doing what is hurting us. We're going to stop doing what is hurting other people. We're going to stop doing what's hurting the heart of God. We have that choice. We have the right, and we have the responsibility to make those choices. I'll tell you what, I'm preaching better than you're amen Joshua, who was the understudy of Moses, and Moses' successor had this to say to the people of Israel when he was preparing, preparing for his departure from earth. He had done a lot of things. You know, he'd brought the people over to, you know, saw the walls of Jericho fall down, had defeated all their enemies, the five kings and all of these things, and, and, and had distributed the properties out to all the 12 tribes and all this good stuff. And the Lord had used him powerfully. And now he knows he's coming to the end of his journey. And so he steps up to the microphone or whatever they had, climbs on the rock, whatever. And he says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, not half-heartedly, but in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. But as for me and my house, what did he say? We will serve the Lord. So he made the choice already. There were no other options. We're going to serve God. As for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. Again, I'm pro-choice. I've chosen to serve God. I've chosen to forsake the gods that I served on the other side of my surrender to the Lord. The gods of drugs and the gods of alcohol and the gods of self-indulgence. I chose to leave those things behind and to take up my cross and to follow Jesus because I realized that in doing him, there was life and there's prosperity and there's hope. On the other side of that was adversity. There was pain. There was corruption always. There were people that I was hurting. There were people that, that, that I was destroying, helping destroy their lives. But on this side, I get to do something different. I get to speak life. I get to speak life to people. I get to see their lives transformed. I love it. But it's a choice that I had to make. Might not have been a popular choice among all of my friends in those days, but they've eventually gotten over it. Many of them have come to the Lord. Praise the Lord. But I had to make that choice. I remember making my choice on August 15th, 1975. I was going to follow Jesus, and I thought three days after I'd walked with the Lord, I was ready now to go to witness to my friends. So I went to witness to my friends. I go and I knock on the door and I walk in. They invited me in. And they're all kind of looking at me like, I hear you freaked out, man. I hear you had a bad trip, dude. What happened to you, man? Are you coming back? I'm like, no. You still tripping, man? No. 
You guys, you might be getting high, but I've experienced the most high. And I'm not going back. And I'm here to tell you, man, it's, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And I sat down and told them in the most simplistic of terms because that's all I knew. I told them the best that I could. I, I told them how Jesus loved them, how Jesus loved me, and how the Lord had saved me, and how he changed my life. I'm three days old in the Lord, praise God. I, you know, I'm, I got a good grip on these things. And I told them Jesus is coming soon. That was in 1977. I was sure that the Lord was coming that year. He didn't, but I'm still as sure it's coming anytime, you know, make any difference. I'm still just as, con- just as convinced right now as I was then that Jesus is coming soon. But I was so convinced that he was coming soon. I, I, I stood there with a pharmacy and I told him about Jesus. And I told him, I said, you need to choose God. You need to accept Jesus as your Lord. You need to make a choice. And, of course, they all kind of laughed at me. I believe one of them came over and, and took a hash pipe and shotgunned at me. Tried to blow it in my face. At one time, I'd have sucked the other end off of that pipe, but not that day. I was, I was so in love with Jesus. I was so over it. But I'd made a choice. I'd made a choice. I was going to follow Jesus. I wasn't going back there. That was a long time ago. It was 40 years ago. And there have been times in my life when the enemy has tried to make me second guess my choice. It hasn't always been easy. But I want to tell you something. That song we were singing this morning, he's faithful. He's faithful. Our God is faithful. And it is well with my soul. I wouldn't trade that for anything. But we have a choice to make. We have the right to choose life and purity and avoid sexual temptation or to live a life of compromise and self-indulgence. We live in a, in a day, in an age where the grace card is constantly being pay, played. And we, 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 we presumably pull upon the grace of God when we refuse to obey him and remain committed to him and are fully committed to what God wants us to do. And we play the grace card all the time, and, and God is gracious, and God loves us, and he's not willing that any should perish. I want you to understand that. But I want to tell you, every deed sows a seed, and everything that we do, we are responsible for. Every action has an equal and sometimes more intense reaction. Everything that we do has consequences. Every choice that we make, we have to live or die with that choice. The words that we speak. Proverbs 18 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 18.20. So we have to understand that we have choices to make in every word. Jesus said we will be responsible for every word that we speak. We will have to give an account on judgment day. So be careful what you say and make the choice up front how you're going to speak and what you're going to say when you speak in anger. That's why James says to be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick, slow, slow. Why? Because every word that comes out of our mouth, we will give an account for. So we have to choose. We have to choose. I was blessed to serve under a pastor who was very, very cautious and careful 
and selective about the words that he used. I remember one time going into his office. I'd been serving with him for about six months or so. And there were some things, you know, that I probably need to tighten up on and these kind of things. And and I was trying hard, but, you know, everybody needs encouragement from time to time. And so he calls me into his office one day, and he sits there, chooses his words very carefully. And for about 20 minutes, he talks to me. And so I get up. And I start to leave his office and I feel like I'm 10 feet tall. I was so encouraged by what he had to say. And then I went and I sat down in my office and I began to process what he had said to me. And it suddenly occurred to me that for the last 20 minutes I was being royally reamed out. But in such a way that it brought encouragement and strength to me. In such a way that, that, that I felt encouraged and not torn down because he was careful about the words that he chose to say. You see, that's the power of the choice that we make. So yeah, I'm, I'm very pro-choice in that respect. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap what? Eternal life. So the choice is, we can choose to reap corruption, or we can choose to reap eternal life, all based upon the choices that we make. Does that make sense? So again, we must choose our flesh, one of our chief enemies along with the world or the cosmos or the worldly way of thinking or the world system, and of course, the devil, which is our adversary. If we choose to go along with what everyone else is thinking or doing, we will fit in, but we won't fit into the blessings that God has for us. We might fit into what the world wants for us, but we won't fit into what God wants us to have. You see, God wants to position us for blessing. But the choice is ours. We have to make the choice. Whether we want to be blessed or whether we want to be stressed. I choose to be blessed. By the way, my brother Arnold says that he is blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. He's doing well, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. The blood clot is almost entirely gone. They said at one point that he would have to be on Coumadin the rest of his life. Now they're saying maybe six months or until the blood clot is totally, completely gone. Praise the Lord. That's an amazing thing. Amen. Amen. But he wanted to thank you for your prayers and and standing in faith with him. But you see, it's it's a choice. He chose to believe God, even when the doctors are looking at him and everything else, and he's flat on his back, and he's got this huge blood clot in his lung and everything else, and, and he just, you know, the devil's trying to kill him, but he keeps speaking life. When you walk in, and he's laying in the bed, and you say, how you feeling, brother? I'm blessed with the best. No stress, not favored. <laughs> like, Yes. <laughs> God is so good. God is so good. But we make those choices. Do we choose to believe God? The enemy is a liar. Say that with me. The devil is a liar. The, devil is a liar. the thief comes not before to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the choice is yours. You have to choose life. You have to choose to believe God. 
You have to choose to live in abundance. It won't just happen automatically. You make that choice. And when you make that choice, then you have to make choices that will align with the choice that you made. If you choose to be a follower of Jesus, you choose to be a disciple of Jesus, then you're going to have to choose to be disciplined because that's what a disciple is. Amen? You can't say, I'm going to be a disciple and keep being a bonehead. It don't work. You can't choose to say, I want to be wise and start and keep acting like a fool. It just ain't going to happen. What's that song that came out a few years ago? Pants on the ground, pants on the ground. Looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. <laughs> listen, we don't have to listen to the devil. We have the word of God to defeat the devil with. I love Isaiah 54, 17. I've been in the book of Isaiah. Now I'm in the book of, of Jeremiah. But I was in the book of Isaiah, and I parked on this one for a while. I had to kind of go back to this one a few times. But Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the service of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. So we can make the choice to believe God in that respect. No weapon that is formed against you. Whatever is said against you, it just, you know, it just falls harmless to the ground. Because no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper because you have something. You have a heritage as a servant of the Lord. And you're vindicated by God. The devil's only weapons are lies and deception. If we choose to listen to his lies or if we choose not to give heed to the word of God, then we've chosen defeat over victory, death and poverty over life and prosperity. We do have the right to choose. The devil has perverted this term and applied it to define a woman's right to terminate, terminate the life of a child in the womb. And it's interesting, as I said before, that when a child in the womb is unwanted, it's defined as a fetus. But when the child is desired, it's called a baby. And every attempt is made to preserve the life of that child. And we know that, that in our society today, there's, there's so much, so much, I don't even know how to define it, sin and degradation and sexual promiscuity and everything else. I mean, it just comes at you from, from every, every corner. I, I remember my wife, she, we, we, were, we were trying to find some, some salve for the babies in the nursery one time. And, and it's kind of a humorous story, but it's true. And so uh, the, the person that was in charge of the nursery came to Becky and, and asked her the question, says, says uh, you know, what can we get for the babies? Because the mothers bring in a lot of them have really, really bad diaper rashes. And so Becky says, well, there's a, there's a product, I, I think it's called, and I can't remember exactly what she called it, some, some kind of cream I believe it, she said butt cream or something like that. And he, and he says, well, I'll look online and see if I can find it. He comes back about five minutes later and says, I'm going to kill you. She says, why? He says, well, I just typed that in and all kinds of just ooh, ungodly filth came on my computer. It's just, he said, I spent 20 minutes trying to get this stuff off my computer. And, and, and innocently, you can type in certain things and all kinds of Filth will just suddenly appear. It's not like we have to go looking for it. But the choice, the moment that something like that happens, you have the choice. You can either enter that door or you can shut it real fast. 
So we have to choose. And I know that for men, this is, this is huge. And it's, 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 it's epidemic. Worldwide epidemic is the addiction to pornography. And it begins so innocently sometimes, but it becomes such a stronghold in the life of men that it defeats them and holds them in defeat until they make a decision that I am going to defeat this. I'm not going to allow this to steal my joy. I'm not going to allow this to steal my victory. I'm not going to allow this to rob my my anointing from me. It's more important that I be a man of God and a man of character than have this stuff flooding in my mind all the time. We have to make that choice. We have to make that choice. We choose. And it's our right to choose. It's our responsibility to choose. God gives us that. But we have to decide ourselves. So, the book of Proverbs says this. And the book of Proverbs, we know, is is, is sometimes called the book of wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 through 9 says the beginning of wisdom is, number one, write this down. You got it in your Bible. Just write down Proverbs 4, 7 through 9. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. How do we acquire wisdom? How do you acquire it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Learn to fear God. Know that there are consequences for our actions. If we disobey the principles of God's word, then we have to live with the consequences. That's wisdom. That is the application of the knowledge that God gives us because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It all begins at the same place. When we learn to fear God, and that is to put God in reverence and awe, it's not that we cower away from God, but we realize how big, how awesome, how powerful and amazing he is. He has the ability to change our hearts. He has the ability to change our thinking. And he has the ability, the ability to deliver us from the strongholds that the enemy would try to use to defeat us. So, what are God's purposes for our life? Well, he gave it to us. It's life and blessing. It's prosperity. That's what he plans for us. But we can make the choice choice to reject God's plan and accept an alternate plan, which leads to death and adversity. Now, are you going to be pro-choice concerning God's plan for your life? Or are you going to choose to reject his plan for you and instead follow your own plans and lose out on all that God has for you? You see, the choice is ours. Years ago, we did a program called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, and it was strongly perpetuated throughout the drama. It was like a drama that we have to choose between heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. Life and death. Heaven and hell. It's our choice. Someone asked me one time, why would a loving God send people to hell? 
I said, well, first of all, he loves you so much. He's done everything he could possibly do to keep you out of hell. Hell was never prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never prepared for you. But if you choose to follow him and not accept God's provision for you, then you've made the choice to go to hell, not God. That's your choice. So we make that choice, not the Lord himself. So I choose to do the following 10 things for my life, and you can too. You can make these choices if you want. You can write them down if you want to, or you can just totally dismiss them. It's up to you. Number one, I choose to love God more than anything else and put him first in every aspect of my life and to love others more than I love myself. That's number one. Because Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and then do what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that's first. Number two, I choose to fear him and bring honor to his great name. To not do anything because I understand that anything that I do reflects on him. Because I'm created in his image and he's put his spirit within me. So if anybody looks at my life and they see me doing something that's contrary to who I say that I am, then it makes me what? A hypocrite. Yeah. And most people don't go to church because of hypocrites. <laughs> so, number three, to love things that he loves. In other words, to love his people, the people he created that Jesus died for. Number four, to forgive just as he's forgiven me. That's a choice. That's a choice. You know, sometimes people struggle with forgiveness and, and, and they base their forgiveness on their feelings. Well, I, don't, I, I try to forgive, but I just don't feel like I can. Well, it has nothing to do with your feelings. It has to do with what you choose. Eventually, the feelings will, 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 will happen. But if you've got to make the choice to say and begin to confess it with your mouth, I forgive whoever it is and whatever they've done. Now, forgive means to absolve of all accounts. It means you don't keep any record of wrongs done. And that's also said of love, isn't it, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And number five, be gracious to others just as he's been gracious to me. In other words, show them the love and respect and kindness, etc., even when they don't deserve it. Be gracious to others even when they don't deserve it. Anybody ever been in a restaurant and got bad service and you just really got all tanked up over the waiter or the waitress? And you just wanted to give them, you know, a piece of your mind or something. Or not give them a tip because they were a lousy waiter or waitress. Maybe not realizing it might be their first day on the job. Or maybe they've got something on their mind. They have three kids at home and this is a third job and they're trying to take care of them. And we don't even think about what that person is going through. All we can think about is what? ourselves. But if we make the choice to be gracious to that individual, to extend grace to them, even if they're not doing the job that we think they should do. That's just one example. I mean, there are many, many, many others. And the other thing is to show mercy. Now, showing mercy is not giving them what they do deserve. Just Show mercy. Don't give them a piece of your mind. Show them grace instead. Just double the tip. 
That'll, that'll speak to them. I remember uh, Ken Gobb was with us a few years back, and, and he and Steve uh, down in, down in uh, Macon, Georgia. What's Steve's name there? Uh, Steve Sawyer. They were in a, in a restaurant, and Steve said that, that Ken Gobb was sitting at the table, and this waitress comes up, and this is like her third job that she has. And as they're sitting there, Ken just feels impressed upon his heart to give her a $100 tip. He said, the Lord just speaks to him, says, give this woman a $100 tip. And he says, I've never given anybody a $100 tip. And he said, the service wasn't that good. And he kept thinking the whole time, why should I give her a $100 tip? Because the Lord said to. And he, so he said, when, they came, when she came to, when, and brought the bill, he paid the bill and he put her a $100 bill inside the, the sleeve. And said, so when she, she came back, she said, sir, I, I believe that you, you put this in by mistake. He said, no, that's for you. And he said, she just stood there holding it, and she dropped to her knees and just started weeping. And Steve Sawyer was sitting there, he witnessed this whole thing, and he's like, what, what's, what's wrong? She says, she said, I told God today, she said, I needed $100 to pay a bill. And she said, God, if you're real, if you're real, if you're really there, will you somehow Give me $100 to pay this bill. And she said, God is real. And Ken led her to Jesus right there. He led her to the Lord. So you see, the choice he made to obey God presented her with a choice to accept Jesus as her Lord. Choices were made. Right choices. The other thing is to keep my eyes pure before God so that I can see him. Jesus said that, or the Bible says in 3 John, or in 1 John chapter 3, says that that we will see Jesus. And here's how we're going to see him. He that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. It says, it does not yet appear what we shall be like, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And he that has his hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. What is it in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes? That, that the pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We can't see God if our heart is full of other things. When our heart is pure before him, we get a clear revelation of who God is. So we need to keep our hearts pure. And I'm almost done. Just just hang with me. Number eight, to treat others as I wanted to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And number nine, to work heartily unto the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. That's a choice. To work heartily unto the Lord, knowing this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Sometimes we give up. Serving the Lord, we give up on the things that God's called us to do because we may not see instant results. So we stop doing what God has called us to do. And especially in the area of tithing, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they want to test the theory of tithing. They want to test that, you know, and see, well, I tried tithing for three weeks and nothing happened. It just seemed like it got worse, so I quit. Well, you didn't give the, the seed time to sprout. 
let alone produce fruit. You got to keep, you got to keep doing it. Number 10, to pray and follow the choices that he lays out for me. God will direct you. When we fear the Lord, we follow him, we, we find out what God wants, and then we do it. And, and I want to say this, to not make a choice is to make a choice. To not make a choice is to make a choice. So if we choose not to change, then we made the choice not to change. And so we'll remain the same until the pain of remaining the same is worse than the pain of change, and then we'll change. Because our hand will be forced. But don't wait till then. Don't wait till then. We choose to change now. We make those choices. Some of you have choices that are before you right now. You've been wrestling over some things, and you've been praying over some things. I just want to say this to you. Do what's right. Do what's right. Do what's right. Even if it's a more difficult decision. Do what's right and you'll always come out ahead. Some of you have been wrestling with. You know, I want to give my heart to Jesus, but I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid I won't be able to do it. Or maybe you have started on this journey before, and somewhere along the line, the enemy's tripped you up, and you thought, well, this is just too hard. Well, see, you made a choice to give up. I want to tell you right now that God is telling you, get back in the race. Get back in. Allow the Holy Spirit to pick you up. Allow God to touch your life and get back in the race. Get back in the race. And and, and allow the Holy Spirit to carry you and stop trying so hard to do it yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will give direction for your life. He'll direct your paths. I just want to say that to you. So we have choices to make. We can choose to believe God. Someone is struggling with something right now. You have issues in your life. And you just felt like this is just too hard. I can't keep doing this. You know, some people give up right when they're on the brink of a miracle. When God is getting ready to do something extraordinary. We lose heart. We lose faith. We give up. See, that's a choice that we make. But I want to encourage you to choose to believe God. To, be, to believe God, to, to get someone to pray with you. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. For the fervent, the, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Get someone to stand with you in faith. Because the Bible says, if any two of you agree on earth as touching anything they ask of the Father in heaven, he will do it. Find someone to agree with you. And stand with you. But don't give up. Make the choice to press on in. If you need a miracle today, you can choose to believe the lies of the enemy. That you're defeated. That God has deserted you. Or you can choose to have faith in God. You can choose to say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the depths of the sea. And you can choose to see it obey you. 
but the choice is yours. I want you to stand with me today. Whatever you've been struggling with in your life, as Moses stood before the people of Israel, he says, I call heaven and earth to testify against you this day. And he tells them, you've got a choice to make. Either choose life and prosperity or death and adversity. What is the choice that you make today? The choice is yours. Or you can be like Joshua who followed Moses. And he said, you can, you can make the choice. You've got to decide if you're going to serve those gods that, that your, your father served and those that were in, in, in the land that you came from or the God of the Amorites that you've already defeated. But I'm telling you right now that my choice has already been made. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is your choice today? What are you choosing to do? Are you going to go all out for God or are you going to continue to do it halfway? There is no halfway. We're either all in or we're just fooling ourselves. Make the choice. I'm all in. Right now, I just want you to make a decision. Now, if you decide that I'm not going to press in, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to give my life to Jesus, I'm not going to follow him, you've already made a choice. But right now, I'm calling you, I'm calling heaven and earth to testify against you today that that God is giving you a choice, that you can choose life and prosperity Or you can choose to live in the same realm of disparity and death and everything else that you've been living in. But God is calling you out right now, but the choice is yours. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.